We're thankful for the work that you're doing, O oh God, in this hour, in this time. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom, Lord, and to work, God, in your service. Jesus, we acknowledge you tonight, God, as the King, as the Savior, as the Lord of all lords. We give you praise tonight, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks, O God. We long for your presence, Jesus. We long for your presence. Come on, I encourage everybody to get into a time of prayer. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thy kingdom come tonight, Lord. Jesus in your name, Jesus in your name, we give you praise tonight, God. We give you praise and glory tonight, Jesus. Thank you, O God. Thank you, O God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Can we give the Lord some thanksgiving from our soul? Jesus, I'm thankful to you. I'm thankful to you, O oh God, for everything you've placed into our hands. God, I'm thankful to you. Jesus, I'm thankful for the breath that you've given me. I'm thankful, O oh God, for the life that you've given me. Jesus, I'm thankful for the health that you've given me. Jesus, I'm thankful for this day, O oh God, that you have ordained. Jesus, I'm thankful. Jesus, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to you, O oh God. I give you praise tonight. Jesus, I worship your name. Jesus, I worship your name. You are holy and wonderful. You are wonderful, Jesus. You are excellent, O oh God. You deserve all glory and all praise. You deserve all praise, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Your name is higher than any other. Jesus, you are the king that reigns forever. Hallowed be your name, Jesus. You're worthy, O oh God. You're worthy, O oh God. Be thou lifted up, Jesus. Be thou lifted up, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love you, God. I love you, God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Help 
We're thankful to you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's in you that we live and move and have our being, Lord. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Please be seated. I was, uh, I was stirring upon my bed a few days ago, very early in the morning. And it was interesting that it was like I began to rehearse thoughts. It was really a flow that just kept coming to me. And it was about me. It was about my experiences in life that have, I think, made positive impacts. And as I thought about, and they kept coming and kept coming, I thought, well, I'm going to get up. And I started writing, and I wrote for a couple of hours. It was like experience after experience after experience that affected my perspective I'm going to just share one with you. But here's what I started when I, this is my first line. We are the sum of our experiences. We are. We become. Okay? The sum of our experiences. Now you can say, well, you, you know, I've had good experiences. I've had bad experiences. Well, that's true. And they impact us and they shape us. And even though we become regenerated at the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that brings dynamic changes within us, it doesn't erase who we are. It's us plus God. And so, one of the first situations that came to my mind was, In my, in my youth, uh, you know, parents divorced when I was like five. And so we would go on visitation every other week. Most of my life. Or junior life, early life. <laughs> and uh, my dad, uh, he went to Vietnam when they divorced. He went to Vietnam for a couple years. He was a fighter pilot. And... Then when he returned a couple years later, he came to where we were, which was in New Jersey, because my mother had remarried. And the eventuality was, is he, uh, he bought a farm in South Jersey, which is interesting because he grew up on a farm in Wapato. He went to college to get off the farm, become a pilot, left the Air Force, became an international captain with TWA, and then he in his later years, went and bought a farm. And the farm was in a rural setting, obviously, and mostly farmers lived around him. But he, he stayed in the Air National Guard and flew F-105s on the weekend. And because he lived close to the McGuire Air Force Base, a lot of his pilot buddies had come over. And sometimes I'd roll in when I was there, and they were, you know, several cocktails into their discussions. Curse words are flying. They're talking real proud, you know, brash. And they were all fighter pilots. And I've always referred to that as they had fighter pilot mentality. 
They were the elite of the elite. Okay? One time my dad got a promotion and he came home and he says, I'm expecting a little bit more respect around here. <laughs> well, I laughed. That was probably the wrong thing to do. But he was, I don't know, what, I, to this day, I, I was thinking, I wonder, if, was, he, was he serious? I'm not sure. <laughs> but that was the world that he was a part of. And I only went and visited that world. Okay? I lived with my mom a couple, three hours away. And we grew up in a different environment, just kind of trying to make ends meet. You know, she married a guy that did drink, and he ended up spending a lot of the money on booze. And so, really, we were just always trying to make ends meet <clears throat> and just trying to barely make through school because I didn't like school. So, anyway, I find it interesting. I used to wonder at times. For many years, I wondered, this has been so unfair because I would watch kids get off the school bus, go into a house where there was a mom and a dad that lived, you know. And way back then, it, was, it just wasn't real common. And uh, anyway, back to this perspective. My dad had a kind of an elitist ideal about himself. And, and he thought, you know, it bothered him when I would hang around the farm kids. He was worried I might become like them. And he was probably right. Because I think I became like them. And not so much like him. But there was something about that, uh, that elitism that just something in me rejected uh, as a young boy. And so it's like through life, I feel like it's something that has shaped who I am today. Now, that's just one experience. You have your list of experiences that have brought you to where you are, good, bad, or indifferent. They shape your thought processes, a lot of it in your ideals and your perspectives. All right? Now, if you look at Joseph, realizing from a young age, he didn't seem to pick and choose the direction of the course his life took. But looking at the whole thing, you realize it was truly God that, that sent him down that road. When his brothers rejected him, when they sold him off, that was the beginning of the path toward Egypt, which was where God was sending him to become vice to Pharaoh. Even though you, you read the details of the story, you wonder, how could God let that happen to him? It's, it comes out of his mouth when he says, it wasn't you that sold me thither. But this was God's plan that brought me to this place. See, he was, he was at the other end of a lot of stuff that he had to live through. And we all live through things, situations, again, that have a part in shaping who we are to become and where we are, where we are today. I think when we 
come to God and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's when we meet up truly with destiny for our future of life in Christ. Again, that doesn't dismiss who I was. It doesn't dismiss the circumstances as a child. But now I am regenerated in my experience to go on and live my life in him. Praise God. Didn't mean to take that much time. Sister Julia Rodriguez, I've asked a couple people to come and take a little bit of time here with you. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So it's been a long day and a long week. And um, it's funny, Bishop asked me to speak. Um, God has been dealing with me on something over the last several days about where I came from. And um, I just want to read a scripture real quick and we'll start there. It's in Psalms 27. Verse 10. And it says, when my father, excuse me, and when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. If you read it in the Amplified, it talks about him adopting us as children. That's him taking us up. Um, And that's exactly what he did for me. Um, Last night in Bible study, I gave a small testimony about my beginning. My beginning is not pretty. I was conceived in prison. I grew up in a very poor household. And um, I mean, I mean, it was poor. And my mom was pretty much not there. So I was alone a lot of the time. And then I ran away from home at the age of 13 with that guy right there. <laughs> Little thief he is. <laughs> Snatched me up. But I dropped out of school that summer as well. And I never went back to, didn't go back to school for a very long time until my adult years. But um, we lived a very volatile life. It was abusive. We abused drugs and alcohol, trying to fill this void in my life. And then God came in. And I'm going to do my best not to cry. (laughs) I can't help but cry when I think about it. But he became my father. He became my mother. He filled the void that I was trying to fill. Do you know God's a God of possibilities? He can take the most filthy, worthless thing and make it amazing. I was thinking the other day, God, I just got a, I got a job and it's, I'm a director of nursing. This little runaway of 13 years old. And it, it doesn't really mean much. It's just a job. But there's, God has taken me from a very dark hole to something that is nice. Something that I can look at and say, this is my life. I have a beautiful family, beautiful children. And I didn't grow up with any of that. I didn't know what it was like to have a mother and a father in the same household. Matter of fact, I didn't meet my father until he got out of prison when I was 11 years old. And uh, not a fun, and he was, he was not any better than he was in prison, <laughs> out of prison. But uh, one more scripture in Isaiah. Verse 15 of chapter 49. It says, can a woman forget her sucking child 
that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. And we all, I know, I think, well, God, no, heck no. (laughs) No way. I could never forget my child. My kids are my everything. But I promise you, even like the Lord said, yeah, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. He will never leave nor forsake you. And I got to questioning, I'm like, how could we, how could that be so? You know, we feel like that sometimes. We feel like he's forgotten or forsaken us. We get in those places. We forget the things that God's done in our life. And we get caught up in the things going on in our life, the things that are going not so good. And, um, but he promises he won't ever leave us. He won't forget us. And this is his word. This is truth. He says that. I will not forget you. So he can't, he doesn't lie. So what does that mean? When I'm feeling forsaken and forgotten. And I got to questioning that. And you know what the real, real issue is us. We start focusing on the wrong thing and we forget what God's done in our life. We start worrying about the issues of life and the bills that need to be paid and the, the, our car got broken into, the dog got hit by a car. I mean, you go on and on and the list gets, you know, whatever. But he's never forgotten you and he was never left you. And really, when you think about that, all that other stuff doesn't matter. Um, beginnings and the influences that we have in life through our experiences, like Bishop said, they do make us. And you just have to trust the Lord, what he's doing in your life. He'll get you there. No matter what happens, none of this matters because this is just temporary. But he's bringing us into eternity. That's all I have to start. Thank you, Sister Rodriguez. Sister Charles, please come. Praise the Lord. It's kind of funny because I was getting ready for church, and I knew I was going to go solo. And I was doing my hair, putting a little extra hairspray. So I just had this faint idea that Bishop was going to call on me to have me stand. I was like, I'll do an extra, extra spray of hairspray in there. So um, I wish I would have paid closer attention. I would have thought harder on the way. But, um, but um, I'm just so happy to be here and blessed to be a part of the body. And um, I'm blessed. Um, I'm thankful for what God has done in each of your lives because, believe it or not, it affects each other. And I'm, I'm thankful for what God's done in Julie's life because it closely affected mine and my walk with God. Um, it, feels, it feels like yesterday that I came back. It was 2008. My sister was working with me with Bible studies in the beginning, trying to get me to go to women's conference. And I kept telling her, no, no, leave me alone. No. I thought I had a relationship with God. The more she tried to share with me, the more I got offended by what she was sharing. And I was I got a relationship with God. I don't know what you're talking about. And I would tell her, just leave me alone. And she says, just come to women's conference. Just come. So I said, okay. It's, she just got back. I was like, all right. You leave me alone for the rest of this year. And I'll come with you, okay? And so she's like, okay. And believe it or not, she, she called me like a couple months prior. She's like, I got you registered. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but God brought me through when I was younger. God, God gave me what I needed to get through my own testimony. So I, I loved God the best of my knowledge of how to love him. And so I told God before going, I said, okay, God. I'll give you everything. I'll, I'll just open myself up, 
and you share what you want to share, and if you get my attention and this is where you want me to be, I'll give it all to you, and that's okay with me, and I'll be satisfied. And so I went, and just, uh, if you've never been to a women's conference, you're missing out. Um, it's wonderful just to getting, getting away from all of this that Sister Julie talked about, all this, and just focusing and, and looking around and going, this is what's real. This is, this is what matters. Everything else is nothing, and it'll disappear. It comes and it goes, and it'll come again. It'll go again. So, so when I came back, I remember we all met. I think the church met in Wolf Den, uh, the upstairs, and uh, Bishop asked for the ladies who went to share. And I remember getting up there. He talked about staying in the race and being in the race. I remember getting up there going, I just love the love, and I just feel so much love right now. And I'm just going to be in the race. I'm excited to be in the race. That was 2008. I, I, yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago. And um, I'm thankful to still be in the race. Uh, there's times that I've slowed. There's times I've stopped for tea. But I'm here, and that's what matters. And so I'm thankful. Um, recently, I used to work early in the morning, and recently uh, I, I was blessed. It might not seem like a blessing, but the store I worked at closed. And me and my husband talked, and they offered me to go move to the other store in Wapato. And I said, you know what, I just don't feel the urgency. I'll talk to my husband, but I don't feel, like, I feel a release in, in working so that I can concentrate on my family because they need me first. My mind was all in different directions, and so I just wanted to give them me, the best of me. And so, um, you know, that, you know, we're letting go, and I was so excited. It was getting stressful, closing a store down. I was like, yes, it's going to be so easy when I get home, and I'm going to have no stress, and it's, whew, I got this. I got this. God likes to prove me. <laughs> no, you don't got it. It's me. I have it. And so um, that first week was horrible. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with the kids and nothing. It just seems like my schedule was still full. The worries were still there. The busyness was still there. Um, God points out to me a lot that you're being a Martha. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, because I get so busy. I love working for God. I love being busy in God's work. Um, but it's not always what we do for others that shows them we love them. You know, we could do a whole bunch of things, stay busy doing things for them. And then they stop, and they're like, but will you just spend some time with me? <laughs> will you just sit with me a moment? Because, you know, you were busy, and I see the effort in there, but... It would be so nice if you would have just talked to me. That would have meant more to me. Um, so God's been telling me, slow down. Find yourself at my feet. Find yourself in a place where it's most important, where um, what's given to you, it can't be taken away from you. All the other stuff, it can be taken away. Our jobs, you know, our house, even, you know, those who are placed in our lives, they could be taken away. But that relationship and what you get from God in those times that you spend alone with him, that lasts forever, and that can't be taken away. And so um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that revelation. I'm grateful for God's reminder. Um, and, yeah, I'm just spending my time at his feet and making sure when I wake up, he's who I seek. Because I can say, oh, I'm too busy to stop and to pray today. Ah, trust me, you're busy either, either way. <laughs> you're going to be busy either way, and you're going to feel a whole lot better with God by your side when you do those tasks. And when you're listening. Um, so I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for you all because I love you all. I still love the love. I'm still, I still love the love, but I'm just grateful for all of you. So God bless.
Praise God, Sister Flowers. I was sure you guys would give me something to work with. <laughs> it was all good. Um, you know, you just get asked to say something. You're like, I've been doing stuff all day. I, I could have, you know, prepared. <laughs> um, not me, really. I'm not speakers. <laughs> um, the theme, I guess, tonight has been what God has brought people through, right? Would you say? And I feel like I've talked about this before up here, but I just can't remember. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a different church. I can't remember. Um, but uh, I don't know how many years it's been now. 2003, we're in 2019. 2013, we moved to Memphis, so I guess six years ago. Six years ago, God dealt with Caleb about moving to Memphis, and I was just like, and so, you know, in Caleb-like fashion, he brought it up at the dinner table in front of the kids, so he's like, wouldn't you guys ever want to live in Memphis? And I was like, no, <laughs> and I was like, stop it, you're making my stomach hurt, stop, <laughs> and um, a little bit of time went by, and I think this was in the fall. And I went to visit Memphis, and it was just different than it had ever been. I really never wanted to. And it was just different. I just felt different. There was peace about it. And I told Caleb, you know, there's, it's just different this time. Like, there's just peace about it, something about it. And um, so it was, it happened pretty quickly. But it was in January, or the beginning of February, that we moved. And nothing in me wanted to go. You know, it's like one of those, like, who, you know, you're, I know it's God, but who, I don't want to go, you know, like, oh, we were joking yesterday about how we took the longest possible time getting there. So we, which there was the weather, it was winter, and I am scared of snow. So we didn't want to cut across Montana and Wyoming, you know, all those states. So we drove down through Oregon. Once we hit California, we spent literally five days in California. We went like three hours a day. <laughs> one day we went like one and a half hours. Like I just, I was just like, I did not want to get there. <laughs> so it took us, we counted, it took us 10 days to get to Memphis. And, um, oh, I just didn't want to do it. And I, I liked my church here. I love the Northwest. I'm proud of the Northwest. And, um, we got there and everything was dead and brown and cold and the, the grass dries there into a beige color. Everything's just beige in the winter there. It's just the most depressing thing. And new church. I mean, if you know me, I'm a total loner. Like, new people. Like, I have a hard enough time just being with people. Like, well, once I'm there, I'm good. Once I'm there, it's just the getting me there. And um, so the like the almost the first year I sat up in the balcony, like a total loser <laughs> with all my kids, and, which the church is full, but and I didn't want to bother anybody, so I was up in the balcony. And um, um, I realized at the towards the end of those three years, you know, I thought maybe God took us there to stay. 
I really, it took a few years to get settled, but it was like, you know, maybe we're here for a reason, you know, well, we're here for a reason, but maybe we're here, you know, we're here, and it would take a miracle to get us back to Washington, and um, even though Washington seemed like like a dream living there, like, oh, what we would do if we lived there, and we'd listen to church sometimes, be like, oh, they're so spoiled, and they don't even know it, (laughs) and and so after a few years, it things transpired so quickly. It was, I was in a ladies' prayer meeting one night, and I felt the Lord ask me, okay, last time I said this, I messed it up. The Lord asked me if I was thankful, if I realized that he'd brought me, you know, 2,500 miles because he loved me. You know, not just, it wasn't a fluke. I guess a part of me felt like it was a fluke. But he'd brought me 25 miles away from my parents, away from everything that I knew, to feel alone, and to find him by myself. And and he, I felt like he asked me, like, have you even thanked me for doing that for you? You realize I brought you all this way, completely uprooted you, moved you across the country. And, um... You know, right away, we almost right away. Aside from the balcony season, we were given we were given a place pretty quickly to work with people, and we were just it just the Lord had placed us for whatever reason to be in the situation we were in, and He just asked me, "Have you thanked me for that?" And so I was like, "You know, thank you, God, thank you for doing that for me." And I'm not trying to manipulate you, you know. I'm not trying to say now take us home now because I'm thankful, but you know my heart. <laughs> thank you. And um, I am not even joking. As I, be, as I, after I said that, it was like audibly I just heard this book shut. Like, it just shut. And I turned around, and as I was turning around, I saw myself in the, in the Union Gap building, which I never did go to church there. But I saw myself there, and I thought, oh, that's just strange. That's just different. You know, I'm seeing things. And, or trying to manipulate God with my thankfulness. <laughs> And um, I didn't say anything to Caleb about it because I didn't want to influence him in any way as far as that was concerned. And then it was a few months later, he said, he came home from work, Danny. He's like, I just felt like the Lord told me that our season is almost done here, that we're going to be gone. This is our last Christmas here. And I was like, you know, I kind of felt something at Lady's Prayer, you know, whatever. And um, so it was just through just a bunch of miracles that he brought us back. And I knew that I grew in that season and that God had done that for me. And even there was a huge part of me that did not want to come back. I loved Washington. I did not want to come back because I didn't want to be who I was. Do you know how that feels? Like you just don't want, you know, maybe, you know, if I, if I do this thing that I used to be where I used to be, I'm going to be who I was. And I just thought, I don't want to go backwards, honestly. Like, I'm in a good place. I mean, it's not a great place, but it's a good place. It's better than I was. And um, because when I was here, it's just, I, I was telling my husband the other day, it's just crazy how long it took for God to get to me. That I was like 30 years old. I grew up in church. I had the Holy Ghost. I was involved in ministry. But I let things affect me. And we went through just just early in my adulthood, I just went through certain things. And um, even um, 
you know, early in our marriage, it had nothing to do with our marriage, but when we started having kids, I don't want to embarrass her, but we went through something with the first, what we went through. And I just held that against God, and I was just like, I don't even, people would be like, my dad would be like, I think he's teaching you to pray. He brings things into our life to teach us to pray, and you just, and you just go like, uh-huh. Like, how much compassion is that, you know? Like, and I just, I was like, I don't even want to talk to him. Like, I'm just upset. Why would he do this? And um, I just, I grew, like, so hard. And so I just had to be pulled out of my comfort zone and, you know, put this th- through this three years. Like I said, I grew, but they were a hard three years. I mean, we were away from our church. We were away from apostolic ministry, honestly. Um, just went through crazy things and just tough things, and we were kind of pretty alone in them as far as people around us. And um, I, I knew that he brought it, me through that, and I knew that I grew through that. But when I got, ba- got back, I still was a little resentful about things we continue to go through. And just, you know, financial things. It just felt like we could never just... We just, I, you know, when you look back 15 years and you're like, I just knew we were going to be doing better now. <laughs> you know, like I saw myself different at 35. And, um, and I was just resentful about it. And we went through, we went to, when Brother Wright came, the time he came since we've been back. And I came, he preached here Friday night. And then he preached Sunday in Puyallup. I came that Friday night. I left that Friday night, and, you know, I'm not, like, immature, like, always waiting for a word, but I did feel like, man, that was, like, a waste of a night. (laughs) I left, and I was just kind of disappointed. I just didn't feel like I really got too much from it, and I just, I had a lot of hopes for that service, and my dad texted me, said, "Uh, Brother Wright says for you guys to come to Puyallup on Sunday. Can you just drive around Puyallup, or drive over on Sunday, and so I was like, okay, we'll go. And um, we we had kids sick all the way to church from Yakima. We had to stop and change somebody's clothes. And we got there late, and we, you know, it was crowded, so we found a spot in the back, and then I just really had an attitude. I was like, we drove all this way. This is annoying. You know, whatever. And um, so my mom made us come sit up front at the end, and Brother Wright came and you know, the Lord knows who he can use in your life. And people can say the same things over and over again to you. And they kind of just go, yeah, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that. And I have a lot of respect for Brother Wright. And he, I don't know how many people could do this to me. But he came and got right in my face and was yelling at me. And he was like, it, it was, I mean, it was just everything that I was feeling. Like, do, he was like, do you even realize God loves you? You don't even think he loves you. Uh, do you, I mean, just like right in my face, like, like right here. <laughs> I never saw Brother Wright so close. <laughs> and, and you never know what to do when someone's talking to you like that. You're like, do I pray? Do I close my eyes? Do I make eye contact? Do I be respectful and look at them and nod? Am I supposed to cry? <laughs> you know? Uh, do you want me to cry? <laughs> I'm listening right now, but... Um, so I was just like, and he, I mean, he just, he just kept going and kept going. And don't you realize he was saying things like, don't you realize? Well, first of all, he said something that kind of scared me. My husband knows this. It haunts me till this day. He said, I've never seen someone go through so much. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, 
is he talking about the future? I mean, I feel like people have had it worse than us, clearly. And so every little thing, I'm like, oh, please don't let that be a part of that. Um, but I thought, I told my husband the other day, I was like, I think he know, I know what he meant. I think he was saying, basically, I've never seen someone so stubborn. And he's talking to me. I mean, he's clearly talking to me almost all the time. I don't know if you looked at Caleb one single time in this whole thing, which also concerned me because then I was like, does this mean you're going to die? He's been talking. He talked to me that whole time. And he talked to me about the future. And he didn't look at you. Did he look at you one single time? And so I, what did I say? Uh, what did I say? Last. He, oh, I, I, I said, I think he was meaning, I've never seen someone have, maybe he was meaning, like, I've never seen someone have to go through so much because you're literally so stubborn. And I, and I, I can agree with that. It's just taken me a lot of years. And I thank God all the time for all the time he's given me. You know, thank God he didn't take me at a young age. And just thank you for the time. And, but he said, if you don't, if you're, if you don't pass this, which this is what he's, it's what he's been teaching for years, so it's nothing new. But basically, if you don't pass this test, he's going to keep sending you. It's going to be storm after storm after storm until you, you know, get it right. And, and I feel like, really, it's my attitude. And um, so I grabbed on to that. And we got home, and, you know, we would have a trial here and there, but I would grab on to what he said I was so thankful that the Lord used him to just come and say that in my face, scream it at me, literally, red-faced and everything. <laughs> and so I could grab onto it and know that God said, if you don't pass, if you, if you don't get it right, get your attitude right in this storm, he's going to bring another storm and another storm and another storm. And God has the power. One thing he said that he said, God can change things overnight. He can change it overnight. You can get, you can go out and there will be a check in your mailbox tomorrow. He can change, change things overnight. But you have to be okay if he doesn't. You have to be okay with that. And already, I mean, oh, man, he's so quick. The Lord just uses him that way. Already my mind's thinking about everybody else whose, whose situation, didn't, you know, is great. And he's like, and you can't compare yourself to, I mean, just like <laughs> everything I'm thinking. He's like, doo, 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 doo. And um, I'm like, okay, so I'll take that too. Um, but I just held on to that. And, it, and then, you know, it was like the Lord came and he brought us this great rental, this house that I'm so thankful for, even though it's a really far drive. Um, I thought, you know, maybe Caleb will just get this awesome raise. Well, no, he brought us this house at an impossibly low price. And so he works in, you know, different ways than we might expect. And, but, and then, you know, it was three months after that, my husband was, you know, lost his job and it's just been through everything. just remembering it's how I, it's about my attitude in the situation. It's completely about my attitude, whether he's going to bring, you know, when he's going to come through or I, I can't tell you there wasn't times I lost it a couple of times. It was six months of unemployment and he did it just in time. It was, was it like the week of his last unemployment check? Got a job. Like the week of it. And I was just like, oh man, you know, like right away I was like, mom and dad are going to have to move into the trailer and we're going to have to move into the farmhouse and how are we going to make this work? We got to make this work. 
And um, so that full six months, and like I said, my attitude got bad a few times, but I just kept holding on to that. You know, it's, it's about your attitude. It's about understanding that he's in control. I can honestly tell you before I moved to Memphis, I did not think he was in control. I did not. I heard those things all the time. I'd grown up hearing Brother Wright. I'd been, you know, grown up listening to Brother Hart and my dad. And I just, my heart didn't believe it. It just, the faith wasn't there. And so I, I saw that he'll bring you through situation after situation until you do trust. No amount of someone just telling you to trust God, I don't think really works. It doesn't. People can say things all day long, but it isn't until he, he takes you through those situations and allows you to see him. And, and something Brother Wright said was, everything you've been through is for a reason. Everything. And <laughs> I think he said everything you're going to go through. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> I, felt, I told Caleb, I feel like, you remember when Brother Sims was here and he brought us up to tell us there was a heaviness on us. I was like, I feel like, do you guys, did you guys go to that combined service where Brother Gonzalez said everybody always gets a good word from God, but when he gets a word from God, it's like, you're going to go through a dark time. It's going to, you know, you're going to be lost. You're going to be in a, like a, a nightmare or whatever. I was like, I feel like that's us. I feel like people come and pray for us and you're like, you have no joy. <laughs> There's a heaviness on you or you're going to go through so much. I've never seen anybody go, th- Brother Wright. I've never seen anyone go through so much. Like, how much does that mean? <laughs> um, so, like, hope it was a stubbornness. But anyways, that's all I have. Just have a good attitude. Uh, trust God. Know that it's his, he's the one bringing things about. And because it doesn't just, when you get the Holy Ghost and when you get in church and even when you're in the will of God, things don't just stop. Sometimes they get worse. And you just have to just trust God. I, I can't believe in those six months of unemployment, time after time, God used someone to help us every time. And so, that's it. Amen. I want to read you two passages of scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 5. While you're turning there, I want you to raise your hand if you're 18 years old or older. Okay. Now, those of you that are 18 and over, I want you to raise your hand if you had your mom and your dad married to each other your whole childhood until you were 18. Okay. I'm thankful for that, those of us that did. Deuteronomy chapter 5. It, you, I think most everybody, if not everybody here, has heard or read or probably quoted at some point in your life. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It's the verse that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is back, it's in that same 
setting, it's just towards the end of chapter 5 before chapter 6 started. Most of us read through Exodus recently and we're reading through this, these passages of time. This, this part of Deuteronomy is kind of a recount of what, we, what happened in Exodus. Okay, this is, it's still Moses, it's still the children of Israel, they're still at the mountain, they're still hearing commandments from God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses is starting to, he, he, he's telling the children of Israel about what God is saying, about the things that they're hearing from God. God had just showed up and with his own glory and fire put on a display for the entire children of Israel. At the end of that, they said, okay, that's enough. We hear it. We know that that's God. We know he's talking to you, Moses. And in that response, that's where we're picking up right here in this recording. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, I want you to look at verse 28. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of, his, of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said... All that they have spoken. Verse 29. This is the Lord's response to their reply to him. He spoke his word. He showed up with his glory. They acknowledged him. Yes, Moses, we know that's God. We're going to listen to him. This is God's response. Oh, that there, this is King James. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. I'm going to read you that passage in the Good News translation. Verse 29, it says, If only they would always feel this way. If only they would always honor me and obey all my commands so that everything would go well with them and their descendants forever. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. So that's, a, that's like a little pause in this, this dialogue, if you will. The conversation between God and Moses and Moses and the children of Israel. Now he's going to pick back up and say, okay, I already, most of chapter 5 was a bunch of commands. If you didn't know it, chapter 5 says, hear, O Israel, just like chapter 6. It's all throughout there. It's Moses giving the word of God to the people. Now there was that pause. There was that chance for them to reply. That was their reply. And then God's response. I wish this was in your heart for good, always. If only that was your heart forever. If it was, things would be well with you and well with your children. Pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm just going to read verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love 
the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. I'm going to flip back over to the other translation. I want you to hear that again. Verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Never forget these commands that I am giving you today. Teach them to your children. Repeat them when you are at home and when you are away, when you are resting and when you are working. The... What Moses says on behalf of God is this word that I have spoken. When he says shall be, it will be in your heart. And I want you to teach it diligently to your children. Think about the family unit for just a minute. When God says, teach this to your children, he's talking to fathers and mothers. He's talking to that, the parents of the family unit. Now this, if you think about it, if you, if you were to just look at that day, that particular day on the calendar, and who were the men, who were the women, how many had children, how many children did they have, who were the grandparents, who were the teenagers that didn't have kids yet but would soon marry and have their own families. And, and, and what he's setting is he's establishing a principle, teach this to your children. Fathers and mothers. Those of you that have children, starting with this generation, these children are going to hear this repeatedly. And you know what? When they have children, they don't, they're not off the hook. They, this is a commandment for now and forevermore. Teach this to your children. Bind it to your, it's supposed to be in your heart. All this repetitiveness, all this wearing of the things and putting the front, frontlets on your eyes and putting it on the post, all that is so it can get and stay in your heart. Now I have a very, very simple question. What happens when that is not taught to children? <sighs> Why do you think God's response in chapter 5 was, I wish this was really in your heart forever? I wish, I, I, if only you would mean what you say and continue in it. Because if you would, you would have a long, full life. And things would be well with you. And things would be well with your descendants. 
But what happens when it's not taught to the children? Why don't you stand with me? The, the family unit, it's God-ordained. It's scriptural. It's, it's truth. There should, there should be a father and a mother raising a child or a group of children. That's how it's supposed to be. I'm going to say it again. It's God-ordained, the family unit. The father and the mother and the children. Now, I asked you for the show of hands how many of us, really what I was trying to do was, dis, was decide and, and show who as a, this is not just about us in this room, okay? Let me, let me make sure that you understand. This is, it's a demographic of society. I was thinking about this. I, I don't know when this statistic really started to become prevalent, but you started to hear it all the time. 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's been a while. If 50% of marriages end in divorce, how many children are the product of a, a home that experienced a divorce? I would venture to say 50%, if not more. I'm not pausing for a dramatic effect. I'm waiting on the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus... God, your truth and your word is sure. It's forever settled in heaven. God, I pray right now the truth of your word. Let it become prevalent in this, in this world, in this kingdom, God. Your kingdom be established in this world. God, your word tells us to pray that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know, God, that this is a part of your will. It's your will, Lord Jesus, that children, children would be raised and taught the truth of your word and who you are. In the name of Jesus, I am praying it and proclaiming it right now. I'm speaking it and claiming it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray for a little bit. The spirit of the Lord is here. He's wanting to accomplish some things. In the name of Jesus, the word of God, let it be true. Let it be forever settled, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lend yourself to the Lord for a little bit in prayer. Let him lead you in prayer right now.
In the name of Jesus, it's your will, Lord. It's your will, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, the Lord's waiting on you to speak some things right now in prayer. One person cannot accomplish this. But he's waiting for the group. He's waiting for the body to reach a place of unity and prayer. We're making room for it right now, God. We're making room for it. We're saying yes in our spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This front is open if you want to come and pray. This is not an altar service. This is a time of prayer. I encourage you, find a place to pray. Get alone with God and let him lead you in prayer.
that says the whole earth groaneth waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God I remember the very first time I read that verse never even honestly I don't remember ever hearing that verse until I was probably close to 30 years old I was I was actually driving across the state and um, I don't know if I was the one driving or not the verse somehow 
either I read it or I listened to it. I heard it somewhere. And I just, I, 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 it identified and registered in my spirit so much that it was like I could feel the, what it means for the earth to be groaning and waiting. It, they're not watching for God to come back, okay? That's not what that verse means. They're not even looking for him. They're, they're groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. They don't even know it. If you went over, if you went to an unchurched, un, unbible educated person and said, "Are you waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God?" They probably shut the door and ask you to never speak to them again, because they don't. It's not something that's registering in their spirit. It's a, it's, it's a declaration of the state of the earth. The, this is the state that the earth is in. And the Bible uses the word groaning to explain the state of the earth. Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I encourage you to to remember the I would I'm going to use the word responsibility that you have as a child of God. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray together. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your Spirit and your ministry that's been here tonight. We're thankful, O oh God, for the ways that you're working and speaking to each of us. God, I pray, O oh Lord, help us to know your voice clearly. Jesus, we're thankful for the work, O oh God. The Lord, the past that each life represents here, we're thankful, God, for what you've done to bring us to this point. We give you thanks for that right now, God. Jesus, you are loving to us. You're the loving Father to us. Jesus, you are all that we need, and we're thankful for that. Lord Jesus, I pray, help us, God, to live a life that's led by your Spirit. Help us to remain sensitive to your voice, to your word, O oh God. God, I pray throughout our days, our evenings, our mornings, throughout the day, God, that your word would be hidden in our heart and that you would speak to us. God, that it would be illuminated into our spirit. We want the quickening power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you to remember those that are at youth convention. They had their first service tonight and then tomorrow and Friday. As the Lord puts them on your heart, take a moment and pray for them that he would do whatever it is, all the great things that he's going to do in those lives. Amen.
Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Greet one another.